0: Good day, everyone. Welcome to the CSU Relentless Gardener podcast. I am Colorado State University Horticultural Agent Linda Langelo, and joining me today is Lisa Mason, CSU Extension Horticulture Agent of Arapahoe County. Now, let's get to the heart of it, where we explore horticultural topics with CSU Extension. Today, we're discussing the native bee watch and bees. Hello, Lisa, how are you? I'm doing well, how are you? Good, glad you could join me today. Thank you for
1: having me. Oh,
0: I'm excited about this topic. I've wanted to talk to you and share this with folks. So tell everybody, what is the native bee watch? Native Bee Watch is a statewide
1: community science program where we're exploring bee populations around Colorado. So it's all volunteer run, anybody can participate. Uh, We provide all the training needed uh, to, to collect data on bees and submit it towards research. Uh, part of this project is looking at the different bee species that we have in Colorado, and we're also noting what bees the plants, or I'm sorry, what plants the bees are visiting, uh, so which is very unique and will hopefully help inform um, uh, future habitat recommendations. This project is very cool because we have an ecological component, but we also have a social science component too. So we're partnering uh, with a professor at Colorado State University in the School of Education, uh, Dr. Jill Zaretsky, and she is looking at uh, the the social components, um, how volunteers, what is their experience like? participating in community science programs. So, because we hope to improve the experience for volunteers and maybe make recommendations um, for all community science programs.
0: That is wonderful. You know, with these types of programs, once you get somebody engaged and interested in a topic, they really, it's a really great way to practically educate somebody in the field. And, And then they, they, Buzz about it to their friends and their family. Look what I found today. Look what I discovered. And on it goes. And I just think, you know, first of all, bees are so important. And I don't think a lot of people know how important bees are, but you can tell them. Yes. Well, bees are very important.
1: In fact, we couldn't survive without them. Uh, you know, from, from a human perspective, we rely on bees for about one third of our diets and that is fruits, vegetables, nuts, and even our, our meat and dairy industries. Everything is connected because cattle feed on alfalfa and clover, which are pollinated by bees. So, so we really rely on, uh, bees for the, you know, some of the most nutritious parts of our diets. And then from an ecosystem perspective, about 75% of the plants in the world are dependent on pollinators for plant reproduction. So imagine our world without 75% of the plant species. It's, um, you know, we we truly would not be able to survive without the help of bees and other pollinators.
0: And what would be left? I mean, I can't even begin to think of the, you know, the 25% that would be left. And, and then there goes most of your fruits and vegetables. Yes. You know?
1: Yeah. Some, some, um, there are some winds pollinated crops, um, like many of our grains. Uh, corn is an example of a wind co- winds pollinated crop. Um, our conifer trees are winds pollinated, but many, many, many other of our plants are not.
0: Well, what a boring world. I mean, nothing against conifers and nothing against grains, but I mean, the diversity is what we enjoy. I mean, we, we spend money to go on vacations to see different parts of the world and they would be devastated and we wouldn't be able to survive. So I, I hope people really join into the native bee watch. So how many species of bees are there and how do I know when I found a bee versus a wasp versus a fly? It's
1: an excellent question. So in Colorado we have 946 documented species of bees. That's a, a huge amount of biodiversity and and a lot of times people don't even realize they're they're looking at a bee because our our wild bees they come in all sizes, shapes and colors. Many of our bees are, have specialist relationships with their plants. So a couple that I want to highlight are, um, bumblebees, bumblebees. They're the, the larger, um, they, they look very fuzzy, uh, bees flying around, visiting our flowers. They do something called buzz pollination. So when they land on a flower, they actually have a special vibration that releases the pollen from the plants. And so they're known, they're excellent pollinators for our vegetables in the solanaceae family. So our nightshades, which is our tomatoes and our peppers. So a very important specialist bee. The other one is squash bees. Um, we have two genera of bees that um, specifically pollinate squash plants. They're out in the early mornings. They're busy doing their job on squashes and pumpkins, um, and they, you know, honeybees may visit squash plants, but squash bees—they have the job done already. They're—they're they're so efficient. So I'd recommend in the early mornings, uh, when you're when you're when you have squash plants and pumpkin plants blooming, look inside those yellow flowers, because without a doubt, you are you're looking at squash bees. And how do you know if you're looking at a bee and not a fly or a wasp? Um, that's that can be complicated um, because we do have so much diversity in bees, um, flies, and wasps. Um, the first thing uh, to to note is um, flies will often mimic bees and wasps, so they they look very similar. Uh, flies will mimic bees and wasps um, because Bees and wasps are stinging insects, and so if they mimic bees and wasps, um, predators may avoid them, Uh, which in my experience, um, humans will sometimes avoid them too, because they look like a stinging insect. So Mm. how can you tell the difference? Uh, Flies have giant fly eyes. These huge eyes go to almost the top of the head. They also have short, stubby antennae, where bees and wasps have long antennae. Um, Flies also have one pair of wings versus bees and wasps that have two pairs of wings. In my experience, that can be a little hard to see on a flower, um, but but it is, you know, a very important characteristic. Um, wasps have long, narrower bodies. Um, they generally don't have hairs on them. There's always exceptions to every rule. Keep that in mind, but they generally don't have hairs on their body. Uh, they're not going to carry pollen. Um, but, but they do visit flowers for, for nectar and sometimes pollen. Bees on the other hand, uh, generally speaking are a little more round, a little more robust shaped. Um, they have hairs depending on the species, um, depends on, on where the hairs are located. Many bees have special pollen collecting hairs on their body. So most bees are gonna carry, um, you'll, you'll see that pollen when they're visiting their flowers. Some bees will carry pollen on their hind legs. So their, their legs will just be covered in yellow pollen. Other bees will carry uh, pollen on the underside of their abdomen. For instance, honeybees and bumblebees have something called corbiculae, which are actually pollen baskets on their hind legs. So if you see a round ball of pollen and nectar, um, you're probably looking at either a honeybee or a bumblebee. Uh, bees have eyes that are well positioned on the sides of their heads, so very different than flies. And also they usually have a bend in their long antenna. So those are a few of the characteristics, but I would say, you know, you're looking at a bee if you see hairs on the body and they're carrying pollen on their bodies.
0: Well, that's terrific. Do do you encourage people to take pictures if they have questions? Absolutely, yes. Uh, And absolutely take pictures.
1: You can send them, you can send them to me. You can also send them to to your local extension office for identification. Um, If you participate in the Native Bee Watch program. uh, We highly encourage you to submit photos with your data. Um, That's a way that we can um, confirm the accuracy of the data. And there's also other great um, platforms out there. Um, iNaturalist is one that um, you can upload your photos.
0: There's also programs like Bumblebee Watch too. So how do I, if I were interested, learn more to get involved with Native Bee Watch? So the best thing you can do is visit
1: nativebeewatch.org. We have a wealth of resources on the website, so you can download. uh, We have a couple of field guides, one that was just published actually this past spring, Uh, So take a look at the field guides. Those are, those are a great resource. If you'd like to participate, um, we do start recruiting volunteers every spring. Uh, So look around, you know, that April timeframe on the the website. Uh, We also have, you can sign up for our newsletter too. So you can um, get an email in your inbox uh, to to let you know when we're recruiting volunteers. Uh, To participate, all that's required is a two hour online training. Uh, we always do the trainings live, uh, or you can watch the recorded training. Uh, we we ask our volunteers to take a quiz to test their their knowledge after the training, and then uh, once you once you pass that quiz, you're you're free to monitor bees um, either at your home garden or in many cases um, we're monitoring at public gardens as well.
0: I think it's so important for people to get involved because observing nature. And recording that data tells us so much more about what's going on, all the changes with climate change, all the little nuances that can happen in Arapahoe County that aren't happening in Sedgwick County or another part of the world. And we we absolutely don't know unless we have those citizen scientists out there doing the workforce. So it's really important Absolutely.
1: another another uh, benefit that i that I hear from volunteers is, you know when when they pause to watch flowers, they're amazed at the biodiversity and other things they're they're seeing in their gardens that they might not otherwise see, uh, which I think is very exciting.
0: Well, all that we miss when we're texting or all that we miss as we're busy just uh, staying in the fast lane, you know, living our lives and rather than slowing down and actually looking at what's around us and becoming aware that there's so many levels to things and mother nature, she's, she's really smart. She's prepared for a lot of different circumstances. So we're lucky for that because she thought ahead. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. uh,
0: So beyond bees, what's the role that insects play in our garden ecosystems?
1: Yeah, well, it's important to note that most insects in our ecosystem actually provide a lot of value. You know, we we have the you know some pest insects that really um sometimes give all insects a bad reputation, but it's definitely important to note that most insects um do provide value in our ecosystems. So we have a variety. Um, we just talked about pollinators and their their role in plant reproduction and really providing us um, with one third of the, the human diet. We also have predators, insect predators in our landscape, and they play a huge role in, um, keeping the pests down in our, in our gardens and our landscape. So they're targeting those pesky insects, whether it's aphids or, or even mosquitoes. Um, and we also have parasites. So we have some insects that will actually parasitize other insects. And, and many times those insects that are parasitized are often pest insects too. So they play a role in, in pest control as well. And then we have decomposers. Um, many insects are decomposers. So they're recycling those nutrients back into the soil. So we, we really owe um, our insects a lot for, for ecosystem services and um,
0: keeping our, our garden healthy. They're highly underrated, trust me. <laughs> yes. Uh, Well, Lisa, thank you today for joining me. And a big thank you to the audience for listening. Tune in next time when we get to the heart of the matter of another horticultural topic.